Hey, welcome to Craft Talk. I'm Tito Mendoza, and this podcast is a collection of interviews with people of different disciplines, ranging from creativity, business, and lifestyle. By diving into my guest's story and learning about how they approach their craft, I hope that these conversations help you find different ways to improve your own. Enjoy. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Craft Talk. My name is Tito Mendoza, and today I'm joined by an old friend, Chris L. Stump. How you doing, Chris? Doing well. How about you? I'm doing good. Let me just give you a little intro on Chris. Let's give the people a little intro here. So Chris is a self-published author of fantasy and young adult fantasy novels. He has a debut, al- uh, debut album. You're a musician now. His debut novel <laughs> is called Thalen and the Spark of Ancient Fire. First of the Lost Scepters. That's available now, and he's also in the process of writing the follow-up to this series. Is this a series, or, or is it just yeah. like a two-parter? Yeah, it's going to be uh, three books. Okay, awesome. So a little background, Chris and I knew each other a long time ago. How long has it been since we've kind of last? I think. <laughs> I think it was... It was when I started college. So probably 12, yeah. 12 years ago. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Probably something like that. 11 or 12 years ago. Okay. Yeah. It, it's been a long time and we haven't actually talked in a very long time. So this is like a really pleasant <laughs> surprise. I get to get a double whammy here. I get to interview an author and then I also get to catch up with a friend. So, <laughs> so I really appreciate you uh, coming on. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah. So, Thalen and the Spark of Ancient Fire. Do you mind giving us like a quick synopsis of what your first book is about? Yeah. So uh, Thalen and the Spark of Ancient Fire, it's uh, epic fantasy. And it's about a young and self-doubting boy who must fight to save his people when they're taken captive by an evil army. Mm. And the only way... Uh, he can do this is by embracing a strange fire that has all of a sudden started burning through his skin and uh, embracing an identity he's never known before. Whoa. How did so that's a quick rundown? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So I, I read your first chapter this morning. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. I, I can, oh, wow. I can already see it in like a TV show or a movie. That, that that's I would, what everyone tells me when they read it. <laughs> right, your visuals are really good, and like I can I can almost picture it already. So like, okay, I could see that. I could see that in down the line in your future. Um, so hopefully so. Yeah how how did you think of this idea? Well, I mean, I've always I've always had a um, wild imagination. I've always you know, thought of stories to write, even, I mean, I remember when I was a kid, probably six years old, I, I wanted to write a book. Um, don't know where it came from, but I guess it was just this inherent passion inside of me to write a book. Uh, I even started writing one uh, probably when I was in second grade, but I maybe wrote three or four pages and never finished it. But with Thalen and the Spark of Ancient Fire, I, I, get inspired a lot by nature, like being out in nature. I love hiking. So whenever I go hiking, I don't know, I just start thinking and envisioning certain stories. I put myself as a character in some story and it just kind of develops that way. Um, So back in 2006, 
I worked at Zion National Park in Utah, which Zion National Park, the um, the lodge is in the valley of the canyon. There's a canyon and there's the lodge is in the valley of the canyon. Yeah. So unlike the Grand Canyon where you come at it from above and hike down, Zion National Park is you go into it from the valley and hike up. So one day I was hiking and I was just thinking, you know, what what if this evil dark force used a canyon like this to um imprison people and keep them in captivity. And so from there, it just kind of develops like, okay, they're, they're trapped in this canyon. Why are they trapped in this canyon? Why can't they get out? Who is keeping them there? And how do they get to this point? And then what happens from there? And so that's just how the story kind of got shaped and evolved into uh, what the novel is today. Wow. So while you were working there, that's kind of when, so that's where it was like born, that idea of Thalen and that character yeah. and the, 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 the scenic background almost kind of sparked that. Yeah, exactly. Gotcha. And while you're, while you're thinking of all of these in your head, are you writing it down or is it all like, how does the story start? coming about i guess like i have no experience in writing novels right so i'm curious mm -hmm. in how people who write books they have this idea in their head i'm sure it's a lot of ideas there's probably way more ideas than what you actually put in the book mm -hmm. how do you start shaping it into an actual cohesive story yeah so um basically it's just literally i mean i have a couple of books full of notes on different story ideas that I have. And it's really just sitting down and writing out everything that you know, um, or everything that you can think of about the story. It can be bits and pieces from the beginning. It can be from the end of the, the story. It can be in the middle, like just basically uh, chunking it out, like getting all the chunks out as much as you can. Um, and then just keep, just continuing to ask questions like, okay, this happens. How did it happen? How did we get here? Um, you know, a story starts at a specific time and place. So what happens before the story, um, that brings the main character to this point. Right. Um, and you know, like I said, I, I came up with a general idea of this back in 2006 <laughs> and, um, when and, you did know, it, come it took, I released it in 2017, 2006. So, wow. okay. Yeah. But I finished it in 2010. Um, gotcha. but it, but it took me a while to edit, re-edit and edit some more, which we can get into later sure but um so for four years i was kind of wading through the waters of this world because i mean you it's a completely different world um with completely different societies completely different rules and structures and it's basically you're creating this world and so 
for me, it took a lot of time to figure out the bits and pieces. And even when I wrote the book, I didn't have everything figured out, um, honestly, that I should have mm. before I before I sat down and wrote the book. What do you um, mean? Like a, a lot of, like I, I had a general idea of start to finish. Like first book, I knew what was going to happen, and the second book, I knew what was what was going to happen in general, and third book, I knew what was going to happen and the ending. Wow! So you already knew you had books like in the works it wasn't even like you only had book one as like the main story arc you already knew it was going to be like this three book series yeah well originally it was going to be four books but i decided to uh, condense it um so yeah i i i always knew that it was going to be more than one book i wanted to be a series Mm. um so when writing the first book you know, I had all that general knowledge, but the the history, the history, the backstory of like where, how we got to where we are, I, d- I didn't have it fully developed. Mm-hmm. Now it worked fine for the first book, but moving into the second book and third book, it's like, okay, I need to figure that out. I need to figure all of that out, know exactly what happened, how it happened and when it happened in order to, to move the story forward. Right. Wow. So the first four years you said you were more in a discovery. Yeah. The first four years I was figuring out the backstory. Um, originally I had an idea for the novel to be much earlier in history. Um, but then decided to not start there, but start a lot later in history. Um, and, you know, I, 2006, I was still in college. Um, I went to graduate school for a year after that. So I was spending a lot of time focusing on school. And then I also had, um, like, health issues. I was fatigued all the time. I couldn't really focus. I didn't have the energy to invest in this. And I, so I, I just, I wasn't in a proper mental state. Mm. or have enough time to fully develop the story. Right. Um, so. Yeah, I remember uh, when we used to hang out, I remember some of the health issues that you were going through, and it, it definitely, you were, I remember you telling me that it hindered your ability to continue, like, grinding away at this story, because probably you have all of these ideas, and you need to connect the dots and put them together and have a better understanding of, like you said, the history of the characters and what cultures they live in and all that stuff. What would you say got you out of that, I don't know, funk maybe, or the, what got you to like, to the finish line? Well, I went to a doctor and got medication. (laughs) Um, And then uh, I also became unemployed. I lost my job in the, in the, um, at the end of 2010. So I wrote my book in 2011. Um, so in that time I was like, okay, um, I don't have a job and this is what I really want to do. So I was like, I'm going to focus a few hours a day looking for a job. And then the rest of the time, I'm just going to write. So for four months I did that. Uh, and I, 
it was kind of one of those things where I was just like, I don't have everything figured out right now and I don't care. I just want to get this done. Yeah. Get the book done. So, yeah. So that's what I did. I had four months where, um, I had plenty of time to work on the book and, you know, uh, soon after I finished the book, actually my old job called me back to work. So it kind of Whoa. was, um, I don't know, perfect alignment of the universe or whatever. Right. Do, do you think that you could have, um, had it not been that you, you know, lost your job and nobody ever wishes that on anybody, do you think you would have been able to finish the book in the way that you did? No. Mm-mm. Because of the time that it takes? The time that it takes, the mentality, um, because I mean, at that point I didn't have a job and I was like, um, I need to do something productive and I've been putting off writing this book for so long. Mm -hmm. It's just time to sit down and do it and not having a job and the stress that comes with having a job to either fatigue me or distract me, you know, writing became my job. That's what I focused on. Um, and as soon as the ball started rolling and I was writing and, um, things were coming to me, it just helped me propel forward. The first book I did, I did not have an outline of what was going to happen. So I basically did it freehand. I, like I said, I had a general idea of what was going to happen, but every day I wrote, it was just kind of like where my imagination took me. Um, and that's that's how really the whole first novel played out was just, you know, getting caught up in the story and letting my imagination take me where it wanted to take me. Wow. Okay, so you were more, I guess you had the general points of what you wanted to happen, uh, but would you say you were discovering the story as you wrote it? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, there are things in the novel that came out of, that whole process. It wasn't something that I necessarily envisioned happening. Um, it, it just happened and it, it just worked. Wow. I could relate to that a lot because there's, you know, as a songwriter, sometimes the songs that come out of nowhere where it doesn't even seem like I thought of it or like I planned it, it would just, they naturally come out and for some reason it's easy and I don't know. Those op- always happen to be my favorite parts of like making music. Yeah, because you 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 pull. Uh, I don't know. There's the reasoning gets. Oh, your reasoning is not influence influencing it. Your analytical mind is not influencing it. It's just it's it's the flow. Right. The flow of creativity. Yeah, getting into that flow state. How mm-hmm. um when you were into like that deep work. You were unemployed and you just decided that, okay, I'm going to sit here and finish this because it's been years. It's been taking me years and I'm getting my physical body better and my mental better. For people who might not understand the process of writing a book, what does it look like to you on a daily basis? Like say you're four months, you're stuck in your apartment or you're shack by the lake. Um, what's happening every single day? Uh back then or now because <laughs> uh, it's different let's go back then let's go at the time when you were 
unemployed and you just wanted to get that book done? So usually I would try to do, I would try to write a couple pages a day. And there was, there was some note taking, like I, you know, I would have a pad of paper next to me and I would just jot down some ideas of, you know, what was going to happen next. Um, and even like influences from, you know, movies or, or other books that I was reading kind of inspired me um, to add something new to the story. But, you know, it was a lot of sitting there and thinking and taking notes. Um, you know, there would be some days where I would sit down, look at it, and not be able to write anything or maybe write a paragraph or something. Because I, I, I just couldn't figure out the next um, step. Mm. And when you're writing a book, you're writing a story that's from you, but you're, you also need to write it in a way that's going to communicate well to the audience and it's going to be something that they enjoy. So that was always in my mind too, you know, how is the reader going to read this? Are they going to enjoy reading this? Is this going to help push them to read further or is this going to bore them and turn them away? Mm. Were you thinking so, that at the same time as you were writing, or do you write and then think about how it would translate? Well, I'm I'm a perfectionist and I'm very analytical. Okay. So my creative, the creative side of me and the analytical side of me was they were constantly butting heads. Because <laughs> um, I would write something and then think about it and rethink about it and think about it more and more and more. Um, you know, but eventually I would say that happened probably maybe the first third of the book, but eventually I just wrote everything out oh. and just let it, let it flow. So is there any part of someone's analytical brain? Would you say it's good to be analytical while you're writing a book or did that hinder you from creating? I don't think it hindered me. I think... I think it might have slowed me down some. Okay. Because I feel like you have to be, you have to have some analytical piece to it because the story has to make sense, right? Like it has sure. to chronologically make sense the um what's going on in the world, structures, all this other stuff like it has to make sense. Um and it has to be coherent and cohesive and concise. So, you know, and especially when you're in the editing process, the analytical side is extremely helpful. So I, I think I think you need both, but there needs to be a, a healthy balance. Mm. So you're more analytical than creative, would you say, personality-wise? Personality-wise, yeah. Yeah? I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm definitely more analytical. In the broader realm of life, I am definitely more analytical. <laughs> gotcha. Well, that's cool to hear, too, because sometimes people who... I feel like some people put themselves in a box where, like, I'm an analytical, right? And I'm not mm -hmm. a creative person. But then there's you who, in general, would consider themselves, like, super perfectionist and analytical. 
but here you are writing a book and it's like this really expansive fantasy novel right so it, mm-hmm. it's kind of cool to hear that it's possible and well yeah i mean I, i'm very analytical but i also have a huge imagination <laughs> right and you're using your analytical side in order to make the story even better because like you said it makes sense if there are things in place and it i don't know if you would call it physics of of how it works or whatever um but i'm sure that plays into how the story is being told as well yeah for sure gotcha as far as like the character the main the protagonist of this series how did you come about with with Thalen's character is that inspired by someone specifically or like do you find yourself in that character yeah Phelan is definitely a I, I would say a reflection of me and a projection of some part of me okay because it, it has a lot to do with identity and embracing who you are um and fighting through all the demons the negativity the the um the insecurities all all that stuff to have the strength and courage to be yourself and do what you need to do to to fulfill your purpose in life mm. you know because i mean i've i've had my own demons i i think part of the reason why it took me so long to get to the point of actually releasing my book was a lot of fear of rejection fear of you know releasing it and everyone saying this is terrible don't ever write again oh wow <laughs> um you know so yeah he he's he's definitely a projection or a reflection of me and I, and i think a lot of people would relate to um his character Yeah, I noticed even just reading the first chapter there were like there were some th- uh themes that I was like, "Oh wow, this is pretty relevant." Like mm-hmm. it it's still re- like it's there's relevance to the current state of today. Um and I can definitely see what you mean by like there's a lot of people that can relate to Thalen's character and I would imagine that his journey of overcoming that fear of rejection um is a part of that. Did so you said that uh it took you a while to release the book. So you're saying you finished the book and then you didn't release it? Well, I so I finished the book I would say probably May of 2011. Okay. I set it aside for maybe a month or two and then I went back to it and um edited it. Um and that that took a long time cuz you have you have to really fully analyze every single sentence every single word to make sure you know everything's spelled correctly it makes sense yada 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 right so being my perfectionistic self ah yeah i edited it went back edited it again went back did it a third time and then a fourth time and then a fifth time whoa <laughs> And then how many revisions total would you say you had to do? Total I did six re- six revisions. Okay. Cuz I wanted to make sure it was 
as clean and pristine as it could be before I sent it to an editor to edit it. Oh, um, okay. yeah. Can you explain that a little bit? So, okay. So you did your own self editing just to get it right. Mm-hmm. How does, um, cause I know a lot of authors do all authors send it to an outside editor. I hope so. <laughs> okay. So that's a standard practice. <laughs> yeah. Okay, can you explain how, why and how that all works? Like, why do authors write their book? You know, you're a writer, um, and you've edited it six times. Why and how does that work? Well, you, when writing, you always want to have someone else. You, you want to have an audience actually read it. Because when you write it yourself, you wrote it. So everything makes sense to you. Everything that you communicate, you understand. Um, It makes sense to you because sometimes there are assumptions. You assume that, you know, someone's gonna know something even if you don't really clarify it when you write it out. Right. So, um, you know, it's good to have an outside opinion. um, And, you know, looking at your book five or six times, you're not going to be able to catch everything. Um, and at some point you have to release it and let someone else look at it with no emotion. There, there's no emotional attachment to the story for them. They're just making sure it makes sense and that there are no grammatical errors or whatever. So for me, with this being my first book, I wanted to make sure I had someone look at it to make sure that not only did it read well, but also that it was commercially sellable, that it was written in a way that would keep people's attention, that w- that was structured in a way that would propel people to read further, and that it looked like a genuine, legit novel and not something that was unprofessional or something that people wouldn't really enjoy. Right. Wow. So, okay, so the editor not only... So it seems like grammatical errors are like the first level of an editor, but they're mm-hmm. also looking at the whole tone and uh, potential marketplace or position of what this book could be. Potentially, yeah. I mean, when when I when I say like commercially sellable, I mean like the structure of the book. Like, is is the structure of the book, the progression of the book, does it make sense? And is the structure itself, um, you know, something that could sell. Gotcha. So how do you even go about choosing the right editor for the book? Because I'm assuming that that's an important piece, that you would have to have this trust with your editor. Yeah. I went online and I Googled editors. Um, I talked to several of them. And back then, I didn't have a ton of money to mm-hmm. spend on editing. And the editing can be expensive, depending on what kind of editing you're looking for. And the kind of edit that I wanted, people were quoting me three, dollars $4,000. Wow. So I don't know how I came across him, but I found Stephen King's very first editor. No way. Yeah, and he was affordable for me. Wow. 
so I talked with him and um, I sent him my manuscript and he was the one that edited it, edited it for me. And, and what, what was that process like? How, how, I mean, was it like a, I would imagine you put in so much time into it and you're finally sending your sixth revision after all these years. How does it feel mm-hmm. to get some notes about your, your work? Like, was it, did it hurt? You know what I mean? Like, or was it, were you receptive to it? I was actually very encouraged. Okay. Uh, he sent me a long drawn out email um, with notes of what to do. And he, the first thing that really made me happy was that he told me that my quality of writing was impressive and it was much more so than what he typically sees. Mm, okay. So that was really encouraging for me and affirming for yeah. me that, okay, maybe, maybe this is something that I am good at, that I can pursue, that I can develop and be successful in. So he had suggested that the first three chapters, instead of starting with them, and this is exactly what I wanted, the whole structure thing. Hmm. He told me that it would be better if I removed the first three chapters and incorporate them in the preceding story and start where the story starts now in the novel, because that would that would keep people's interest more and help them continue to move forward in reading it. <laughs> oh, okay. So the first thing that I read where with Thalen on the horse, mm-hmm. that part initially was farther in. Yeah, that was going to be the fourth chapter of the book. Wow. And and you didn't have the um, this, um, like you said, emotional connection to, you know, your first three chapters. I bet like that was like you were working on those first three chapters a long time. Was there like this preciousness to it that like you didn't want to change it or was it did it just make sense did something click where his suggestion made sense yeah not not really i my goal was to make sure my novel was the best that it could be and him being a professional editor for years and years and years Mm -hmm. the first editor for stephen king i mean (laughs) hello yeah Quite a resume. My first editor can be the same first editor as Stephen King, that maybe one day I can be like Stephen King. It's true. <laughs> um, so there's a lot of trust in that. Yeah. So my first reaction was like, uh, how am I gonna do this? Because I'm gonna have to restructure pretty much the beginning of the book to right. make sure I get those important pieces in the first three chapters. And in all and and honestly, in reality. The first three chapters maybe was um, incorporated in the, in the rest of the like the first part of the book. Mm-hmm. It, it didn't take up much space because, mm-hmm. like he mentioned, it was it, it, it was it, they were important things, but they could be very easily condensed. So, so I got it back from him, and I don't know what happened, but I misplaced the manuscript that I sent him, the, 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 um, document on my computer, I somehow lost it. So, cause I, I sent him a printed manuscript for him to edit. And uh-huh. then he sent it back to me with all of his edits in it. Okay. So I basically had to rewrite my whole book. <laughs> oh my because, gosh. 
because I didn't have the exact manuscript that I sent him originally on my computer. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that took a long while because at this point, I've already read my book seven times. <laughs> and now, <laughs> now getting back into it, it's like, Ugh, okay. <clears throat> so that took a while, a long while. And because the first part of my book changed pretty drastically um, from the original, then I had to go back again. Well, and, you know, taking into account all of his notes for me, mm-hmm. I had to go back again and edit, edit it to make sure it was good. I think I went back through a second time. And then finally I just let it sit because I was, the plan was to go back through it again. <laughs> okay. And I was at this point, I was just so exhausted. This was probably around 2015. I would say I was, I was just done with it. Yeah. So it sat there because I thought maybe I'll get another editor to edit it. But at the time I did not, I, I didn't have the money for that. Uh-huh. So it just sat there and sat there and sat there. Was it one round of edit with uh, Stephen King's editor? Yeah. Okay, so you go through one round of edit. You had to redo it because of the lost file. And then, Mm -hmm. okay, so it just sat there. Because you're, I didn't realize you could do, wouldn't multiple editors, what if you get conflicting type of opinions as far as how you should arrange your story if you went with another editor? Does that happen? Oh yeah, yeah. I'm. It does, of course, because everyone everyone has their own opinion, right? So, um, you know, if if I had had it edited again, I would have sent it back to him because he 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 was familiar with the story already. He had seen the original that I had sent him. Gotcha. Okay. All right. But it just at that point, it just wasn't financially something that I could do. Okay. So what happens after it sits there for a while? I basically just got to a point where I was like, I need to release this. I need to stop overthinking it, stop analyzing it, stop stressing over it, and just release it and see what happens. (laughs) Mm. So there's always work to be done, right? In any type of piece of art that you do. Right. You just got so sick of it that you were like, it just needs to go. Yeah, because there there was a lot of fear. Mm. I mean, the day that I released it online, I was very afraid. I talked to one of my friends the night before about how scared I was to release it because it's it's part of you. It's something I mean, I, I invested basically 11 years of my life to this story. Yeah. Um, put a lot of work into it, put a lot of creativity into it and thinking into it. And, you know, I just thought once, once I released it, people were going to be like, this is awful. Mm. But I, I knew I had to do it. I knew I had to break through that fear because this is, this is, this is ultimately my passion. This is what I want to do for the rest of my life. I just want to write, I want to publish novels. And the only way that I'm going to do that is to actually take the action that I need to do to do it. Right. So I released it digitally 2017 
the cover of the book was awful, <laughs> but um, I, I got a guy to do it from Fiverr.com. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, he, he really wasn't skilled enough to do what I wanted him to do, but it served his purpose. So I released it. And of course, you know, close friends read it. My family read it. And I didn't do a lot of marketing for it. Okay. But, you know, I would check my Amazon.com page and I would see a five-star review and then another one and then another one. Whoa. And some of them were friends and I was like, are you really, like, do you really think it was a five-star rating or are you just doing that because you're a friend? (laughs) But then I would see um, people um, give me a five-star on barnesandnoble.com. And, you know, so I, so there was validation that, okay, this is, this must be a a decent enough book. Where somebody's Um, reviewing it. Yeah. And pretty much everyone told me, you know, I could easily see this as a movie someday. Um, so is that, is that something that you see in the future for this? Or that you would hope for in the future for this? Yeah, I mean, I um, what I would love to do is end up being like Stephen King or Neil Gaiman or Gaiman or um, uh, Michael Shaben. All three are authors, and all three of them, their books have been made into movies or TV shows, and they've ultimately become like executive producers on those Mm. so i i would love that kind of and jk rowling same thing she was executive producer i think on the last two harry potter movies gotcha so i would love to be not that i not that i want to be in um the film industry but i I would love that kind of um creative influence right that my stories are being developed into shows on hbo or um that'd be you know so movies sick. in the movie theater <laughs> that would be amazing yes yes it would wow so from your whole experience of this it seems like your your first book it was like a really long journey and there's a lot of roadblocks challenges but there was also wins what would you say out of this whole like from the moment you thought of this idea in 2006 at the park to when you released it, what was the biggest challenge? And then what was the best lesson you've learned, you learned in that process? I would say that probably the biggest challenge was planning. And... Planning how so? Like... Planning the book out. Like knowing more than just a general idea of what was going to happen, but actually having a, a, a much better, clearer picture of what was going to happen. Um, planning and fear were probably the biggest things for me. Okay. Um, and feeling like it was something that I could not accomplish or struggling with that idea. Like, this is not something I can do. This is impossible. Um, what was the second part of your question? I guess what's the... Maybe it comes from the biggest challenges, but what was the best lesson 
that you learned from this experience of your writing your first book? That I can write a novel mm. and that I can write fiction that people enjoy. Right. And that encapsulates everything like the doubts it you kind of you prove yourself wrong essentially your fears wrong right you were able to do it was there something was there a reason why you felt like you couldn't do it was there people telling you you couldn't do it or was this like just an internal thing that you have in yourself that you battle with it was just an internal thing okay that i that i was battling with like a lot yeah. of people yeah i mean i there are so many people out there that they want to write a book, but you know, it, it looks like a scary thing because a book is hundreds of pages long. Mm -hmm. A book is, you know, 80,000 plus words, you know, and my book is a little under 90,000 words. And from, cause I mean, I did all the research. I was like, okay, what's, what's the, What's the right length for a book? What's the right length for a book for a first-time author? Oh, wow. You know, that all stuff these matters? Some. Okay. I mean, that, yeah, some. Because as a first-time author, people are not going to know you. They're not going to trust you yet. They're, they're not going to know the quality. Mm -hmm. So it, it's also kind of thinking about the traditional publishing side because my goal is to build up a following as a self-published author to get noticed by traditional publishers who will then want to publish me. Gotcha. Um, so, you know, doing all that research and starting it out, I'm like, Oh my gosh, like 85,000 words. <laughs> How am I going to do that? That's so many words. Yeah. And I, and I did it. So, you know, it, it, I mean, I think it's any, it, it's, I think that's it's that way for anyone who has a, a a passion. I mean, this is a passion that I've had since I was a child, and something so dear to you. You know, it's when you release it out into the world, and then you're ba you're basically giving your soul to the world to basically do whatever they want with it. Yeah. Um, you know, they can praise it. They can say it's terrible. Yeah. They can not read it. They can tell other people to not read it. Right. <laughs> they can tell people to read it. So just getting to that place of just being completely open and vulnerable, because it is something vulnerable to do. Um, and I'm sure you feel this way with your music. Like if you're singing your, your own songs, mm -hmm. you know, it, it, I think it's something that every creative person has to confront. Right. And face. And for me, I think it was just being tired of not getting it done that eventually just made me be like, you know what, I'm going to release it. Whatever happens, happens. If people don't like it, that's fine. I'm going to write something completely different. <laughs> wow. I, I love how simple that, you know, your answer of what's the best lesson you learned you know, I was expecting maybe like, a, oh, if you do this, you can do that better. But I, I actually preferred your answer of my biggest lesson was I did it. Like I could mm -hmm. do it. And if 
you know, if you could do it, anybody else could do it that's having the same type of doubts. Yeah. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. So now, one book done, you're in the process of your second book. How different is this process going to be? So I released my book in 2017, mm-hmm. my first book. Yeah. That was right around the same time that I started real estate. Okay. So with self-publishing, you have to commit to marketing yourself. Mm. And real estate was what was paying the bills. So You're hustling. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so my book and all of that was completely forgotten. I didn't touch it. I focused on building my real estate business because when you start in real estate, I mean, it's you have to hustle a lot to build that foundation, that business. So, yeah, you know, when I wasn't working on my real estate business and I thought about my books, I, I just didn't have the creative energy to devote to it because I was spending so much creative energy on real estate. And marketing that, yep. Yeah. So since 2017, I didn't touch it. I, didn't, I thought about it a little bit, but I didn't think about it too much. Hmm. And I was just like, I'll eventually get to it. I'll eventually get to it. I'll eventually get to it. And so last year I started working on it a little bit, but not much. And then the pandemic happened. Yeah. And a lot of my business is people who buy short-term rentals. Well, when the pandemic happened and everything closed, all that business basically was put on pause because no one mm-hmm. was going to buy a vacation home if no one was going to be coming here to visit the parks. Mm-hmm. So a lot of my business was put on hold. And luckily, my residential side was in a place where I could go a couple months and not have to worry about getting the business. Sure. And at this point in my career, you know, I've been in real estate for, um, well, on my own in real estate for three years now. Mm-hmm. So now I've got a book of business. People refer me clients. So I'm not, I, I don't have to do the hustle that I had to do back then. Right. So I, I took some time back in March and I watched a lot of documentaries on ancient civilizations and ancient religions and all this other stuff. And that, that kind of started got, getting the juices flowing again. Oh, okay. Because I was inspired by the folklore, the myths, and all this other stuff. So, And then I was reminded of my true passion. It's not real estate. I enjoy real estate, but that's not my true passion. My uh-huh. true passion is writing. So I finally got inspired to write again. And learning what I've learned from, you know, the decade or so of working on book number one yeah book number two and book number three incorporate a lot of the history of the world pre Thalen so I had to figure that out Mm. and I just fleshed it out and there are influences from you know religions and their creation stories because I needed to know the genesis of the world what happened in the beginning what happened from then to the time of Thalen. And so I figured that out. I figured out the timeline, all that. So I finally have the backstory that I need, the foundation to move forward. And that has helped tremendously with 
getting things going with book number two. I mean, I through book number one, I, I realized the importance of outlining mm-hmm. and making sure I know what's going to happen, at least have a, a solid idea of what's going to happen and, and give me the freedom to be creative and explore something else if I want to, but having the foundation of knowing what's going to happen next. So what's different this time is actually the timeline of what happens in the book. I know exactly what's going to happen scene by scene. And Oh, wow. um, I'm still working on the timeline for the, for the second book, but I'm halfway through it a little bit more than halfway. Um, but something that I've learned is you don't have to timeline everything out in chronological order. So I just, I think of scenes It can be at the beginning, it can be at the end, it can be in the middle and I just write them out. And then from that scene, I think, okay, how did we get to this point? And so then I start thinking about that and I create another scene. And then if I get stuck there, then I'll jump to another scene that I know that's going to happen at some point. And so it, it may be all over the place, but eventually it forms into a nice timeline where I know what's going to happen when. So giving myself the freedom of figuring, figuring things out at different times and knowing that I don't have to have all the, the, the timeline figured out chronologically, but as long as I, you know, figure something out and then figure out how I got to that and then moving on to something else, it eventually will all come together. Wow. So it seems like organizationally, you have a way better grasp this time than like compared to the first time where you were kind of just writing and going right, and kind of seeing where you land. And mm-hmm. this time you're, you almost have these checkpoints and then you're filling it out. Right. Is that accurate? Yeah, pretty much. Wow. I have some guideposts that I know that I need to, um, um, look to as I'm moving through the story. Wow. I mean, everything isn't like, obviously it's a brief summary of each scene basically. Hmm. And then, then everything else will be filled out from there. Yeah. And, uh, when the pandemic started back in like March, right. Mm -hmm. Did you say that you watched the documentaries because you wanted to write or did you, were you just watching documentaries and it, inspired you again i was just watching documentaries i mean oh. i am a huge history buff i love history mm-hmm. um and i love to learn things so i was just watching those and you know having a lot of time to think and not i, I mean everything was closed down yeah. i didn't i didn't feel pressure to do something because there was nothing to do right yeah <laughs> So I had a lot of time to, and I'm, and I'm an introvert. So being at home by myself did not bother me at all. Agreed. Um, so introvert life. Yeah. So I had, I had time to think about life and things and what I really wanted to do and what I was really passionate about and just, you know, watching these documentaries and being fascinated about how those stories of creation and whatever civilization was, created Mm -hmm. inspired me 
I think the passion for my writing was already there or coming into fruition, like being reminded that that's what I really need to pursue. Yeah. And at the same time, it was those documentaries and, you know, reading and learning about the different mythologies and religions and all that, that helped ignite inspiration for basically my own creation story. Yeah. It's really fascinating that there seems there was there's this parallel from when when you were writing your first book you really got into it like you really sat down and like got deep into it when you were in a place of I don't know I, I it's silence maybe silence in a way that like you didn't have to work because on the first time around you were unemployed so mm-hmm. there was all this time yeah. And then, you know, you released the book and then you got into real estate, started hustling there, really got, you know, a good base in the real estate business. And then the pandemic hits and now there's even more silence of you don't have to, everything's closed. And then it starts back up again. This cycle, the process starts back up again. That's so, mm-hmm. the parallel is really interesting. Yeah, I haven't thought about that. Like it was yeah. almost like there's these moments of everything stops and then yeah. the book comes to life. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like it's in those moments that I, I'm jolted back to reality of, you know, I don't, I don't have the distractions of hustling or working, but spending time with myself. And I feel like, um, like writing is an innate passion. Like I feel like I was born with this passion that, that, that it's, it's my purpose. And these other things have kind of been distractions distracting me from what my true purpose is. Mm. So now, now that I know, and again, I think it's, it's a, it's a, it's a mentality thing. It's, you know, I, I released my book back in 2017 when I was starting in real estate and mm-hmm. I immediately thought, well, I have to not even focus on my book because real estate is what's going to make me money. Mm. Instead of thinking writing is my passion. How about I focus on them both equally and, you know, hopefully get to a point where I don't necessarily have to focus on real estate as much. Right. So this time the pandemic and everything, it, it's helped you know, obviously I'm in a better place with real estate, but it's helped me also manage my time better. So, you know, I, I go to bed at 10 o'clock at night, I get up at five oh, and then okay. I, I work from 6am to about eight or eight thirty on Phelan. That's all I focus on. Wow. And, and it's things that I've learned about myself. Like I always thought I was not a morning person, but it turns out that I am. Oh, Okay. <laughs> So, I mean, I, I have the most energy, the most um, ability to focus early in the morning. So, you know, every day from 6 a.m. to 8.30, I just focus on Thalen, nothing else. And then the normal work, I'll, I'll do real estate. I'm toying with the idea of doing every other day. So one day, focus on real estate. The next day, focus on Thalen. Mm-hmm and do it that way we'll see but uh as as of right now the getting up super early and 
starting really early and just focusing on that is really helping me. Yeah. I love hearing how much intention you have with what you're doing. Like you're kind of juggling both of, you know, real estate and then also your passion of the book. You know, both of them exist right now. But it it sounds like you have an extreme focus and intent in like carving out the proper time for each thing. And I think, mm-hmm. I think maybe in your first go around with the book, it might've been just all over the place where you didn't, you weren't able to set, carve out the, the right amount of energy for each thing for whatever reasons. And I think the lessons that you've learned through that first process, it just sounds, it's really good to hear that. Like you have a routine, like you're, you're doing it, man. Mm-hmm. You're like a real author sitting there. Do you have you do coffee? Are you coffee? Oh yeah, of course. Okay, so that's <laughs> that's the that's what keeps you going when you're writing in the morning. Yeah. Are, do you listen to music while you're writing? Are you? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I listen to cinematic music, um, meditation type music. Gotcha. So that keeps that doesn't distract you from. Anything with lyrics or anything? Uh, not really. No. Okay. So more instrumental. Yeah, that makes sense. On a on more of a technical question, are there certain apps or um, tools that you use to write your stories or outline them, or are you do you write them straight on paper? It depends. Um, you know, I I'll go back and forth from my note notepad app on my iphone mm-hmm. like if i'm driving in the car or somewhere i'll just write it on my and and that mm-hmm. um or you know if i'm at home I, I have my um notebooks here that i'll write things in um so as far as writing in time like right now i'm using google docs and google sheets i'm using google sheets for my timeline for thalen which is actually worked out really well i mean it makes sense for me Hmm. um but you know i'll use um for grammatical help i'll use the hemingway app which is just a website you go to you can paste your text there it'll tell you what level reading it is it'll point out really complicated sentences that you should make simpler grammatical issues things like that Hmm. so i so i'll use that to help with editing. Um, Is there a certain reading level that you aim for? I mean, I, I don't think any author wants their books to be too technical or, um, you know, hard to read. Like wordy. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, I guess I know what you're saying. Like, yeah. Lord of the Rings is a difficult series to read mm. <laughs> and it's very slow um i love it i mean i've read it all, all of them but um it, it can be difficult to read so i mean grade level i don't know like five five grade level yeah you just want um, accessibility for yeah, I, yeah. I, I want it to be as easily as easily readable as possible yeah. i mean i i i'm kind of evolving 
the story, you know, originally I, I envisioned it being a young adult fantasy, but I, I don't really see that anymore. Okay. Um, it's just going to be a fantasy. Um, cause it, I, I don't know. I, just the way the story is developing for me, it's not really young adult. I don't think, I mean, it could, it could work for young adults, but um, it's just going to be a more general fantasy series. Okay. Cause I don't want to pigeonhole myself. Sure. Cause you know, some adults are like, Oh, it's young adult. I don't want to read that. Ah. Um, so. Okay. Well, let's, let's wrap this up. So how, what can people expect from this second book? And maybe if if you have, if you're down to share what you can expect from the third book, because so you're thinking three, right? Or are you mm-hmm. okay? So, what is the second book about? And maybe a small preview of the third, if you have, if you can. <laughs> I want the scoop. Hmm. What what to share? Let, what to share? What to share? You don't have to share. I, I yeah, it's it's hard it's hard to share without giving some things away. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, the you second, said, go ahead, go ahead. So you said the second book deals with more of the history of before Thalen. Well, the history comes into play more. Okay. So for the first novel, I'll say this: for the first novel, the setting is basically three main areas um and it's confined to a point where you don't really know what's going on outside of that as far as like what's going on outside in the rest of the world okay but the the second book basically leaves those three settings and goes somewhere else so you get to see a broader picture of the world, how things kind of played out and um, a richer understanding of how everything has come to be because Thalen and his people, they have been confined to a certain area, uh, a a certain forest by a a higher species um, of people. And they, they don't know their history. They don't know where they came from they're not allowed to leave that area. Mm, and right. that that's, that's at the beginning of the first book. Yep. And then Thalen discovers or overhears these two foreign cloaked figures say this army is coming to take these people away. Yeah. And he's like, what army? Like, we don't know what's going on here. So they're whisked, they're whisked away from the place that they're basically um, confined to. Mm-hmm. So they don't really know about the rest of the world. It's kind of a way of discovering what else is out there. And there's a specific reason why they were confined to this area, why they don't know their history, why they don't know what's going on. Ooh, sounds political. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I I loved the even just the first chapter i i was like oh man this is getting deep they're like i <laughs> hold on i'm i'm going to find this I, I hope we don't get disconnected because i'm using the phone here i uh, screenshot a couple of the quotes that i really liked uh, oh yeah i'm doing my research chris um <laughs> so 
Uh, how do you say Al- Alvindel? Alvindel, yeah. So Alvindel is the wizard, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, he he is a wizard like wizard. Being. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> he, I read the part where he was talking about uh, Thalen's race, I guess, or mm. culture, mm-hmm. and um. Let me just read it, I guess. You still have a soft spot for the humans, I see. The part that he says where there's always hope for those who's gi- who are given a chance. I just butchered your book, but there's always hope for those who are given a chance. I read that and I was like, ooh, okay. It, it just, it seems like it informs so much deeper like ideas and I don't know. When you wrote that, did you mean for that or was that just like a throwaway line? Yeah, I mean the the whole story there there is a deeper underlying truth and value mm-hmm. um that I hope people will grasp and understand through the um, the whole story. Right. Yeah, cuz essentially Thalen's people haven't even been given a chance. Right. Right. Mm. Yeah. Can I be an extra in the movie? <laughs> sure. So one last question, and I ask this to every guest so far. What is something that you're constantly working on and want to keep getting better at? As far as uh, writing? Anything. It can be writing or your life or anything you you feel what you want to share as something that you want to keep getting better at. I think giving myself the freedom to... Not heavy, ha, not having everything figured out at once, but embracing the things that I do know re- regarding outlining for the for this. Okay. And then working out the other things. So so not having, letting my analytical side come out somewhat, but not too much in the beginning, so I can let the creative process go. Mm. Um, but um, that and consistency um you know spending the time that i need to spend on the story and not forgetting my passion like continually reminding myself that this is what i want to do even days where i'm like i don't know how to move forward i can't figure out the next scene i don't know how this is all going to work work out like all these questions of insecurity but just reminding myself that this is a passion of mine for a reason. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why I've had this passion since I was a kid. I mean, what six-year-old thinks out of their head, oh, I want to write a novel, <laughs> <laughs> and then proceeds to try to do that? I mean, it just, like, I don't know. That's, that's why I think it's such an inherent thing that I was born with. I was born with this passion and need to write First, for whatever reason, I feel like, especially with this trilogy, it's the the message that I want portrayed is so much deeper than just a novel to read to enjoy, mm-hmm. but that it speaks to truths that we as humans, you know, need to understand and embrace and live out, basically. Perfectly said. 
Chris, that was it was so good to talk to you, and I'm so glad that you were able to share your passion with me and hopefully people listening. I have the same insecurities as you, right? Like I, I'll post this episode or I'll post another episode of a podcast and I'll put it out there in your inside. You're like, what if they think it sucks? Mm -hmm. And I'm glad that you're just going for it. It's good to see someone going for it. And it's really inspiring, even though it takes 11, 12 years to write a book you could still say at some point to your six-year-old self that you did it. Yes. That's amazing. Yeah, thank you so much for uh, talking with me. How can people find you? How can people find your book? What's the, what's the deal? Yeah, so um, you can go to my website, which is chrislstump.com. Not Christopher. Yeah, not Christopher. <laughs> And um, there you'll find links to purchase my book. Uh, you can purchase a paperback at Amazon, um, also BarnesandNoble.com. You can do an ebook uh, from. M you can do a Kindle from Amazon, the uh, Nook from Barnes and Noble. You can do an iBook from the Apple Store. So it's on all those platforms. <clears throat> and then, yeah, you can sign up for my monthly newsletter. I'll send out. The good thing about being a self-published author is that you have a lot of control in your content. So yeah. what I'm doing for the second and third book is like kind of offering for people who subscribe to my newsletter, a way to kind of influence the story or help me write the story in a way. Um, like I, I'm going to be rebranding the first book and I'm going to be asking people who are on my mailing list to kind of, help with that process rebranding so, like like the cover the cover and i might be changing the title oh okay gotcha yeah. do, you, do you already have a new title in mind i'm working on that okay gotcha <laughs> so the so the goal is a month before i release the second book is when i'm going to release the new branded first book Ooh. it's it's been out for three years now so you know, I, I, I kind of want to refresh it and bring it up to people's minds, yeah. new people who can read it. And mm -hmm. then right after that, the second novel is going to come out. So nice. A nice one, two there. Yeah. Awesome. Perfect. All right, Chris. Thank you so much. Thank you. And to everybody listening, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Craft Talk. We'll catch you on the next one. Bye.